Attention, citizens, it's time for Super Pope Science. This is Gregory Kamichak. And this is Justin Curry. And this is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about the ingredients that go into making genre stories. We're going to just talk really briefly today about uh, something interesting that happened in the studio a few weeks back, where Justin and I came back from traveling and then had 10 days to finish (laughs) a book. So I'm going to uh, be interviewing Justin on a little bit about his creative process and try to catch him off guard. Does that sound good? Okay, so I want to talk to you about deadlines, Justin. What is your relationship with the deadline? Um, so the deadline. I uh, going going a little ways back in high school. Deadlines and projects. I didn't. I kind of suffered through. I didn't do too too well with uh, deadlines for science and math and history projects. Why was that? Do you think? I don't know. Just academically, I never really caught on to to anything in any real way. Like I didn't chemistry a little bit, history not so much. LA, like all that stuff. Um, you know, just never really, never really gravitated towards it or, or did too well. Um, but then out of high school, got into Red River's graph design program, and. Um, the project started to be kind of more and more in my wheelhouse and I learned how to finish projects and meet deadlines in college. I could, I didn't know how to do it in high school, but in college I learned how to, uh, to get things done in a short amount of time and really hustle and, and stay up late when need be. Okay. So did you learn it or were you just old enough now to understand its gravity? Maybe that. And also I, I felt invested in it. Like I, this sounds terrible to say, but I cared so much more because Why it was... Why is that terrible? That's not terrible. Yeah, I guess I guess. I'm not. nine years I feel old as a classroom any... teacher, and I'm glad people finally say those <laughs> things. Um, yeah, it was, it was kind of, you know, it was my artwork, my project, a little more, little more me. Um, I wasn't just explaining how the mitochondria works. It is the powerhouse of the cell. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, like, I learned how to get shit done in, in college, and... I always, I, I talk, and a lot of friends in university, they kind of found that too. They, we all wish we had our work ethic that we have now back when we were in high school. High school would have been so easy. The old saying that youth is wasted on the young applies yeah. here? Maybe a little yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, but, okay, so jump now from university to your professional illustrator, and someone says, can you get this done in the next three weeks? What happens in your head? Get into the minutia of it. Like, be really specific. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. Give me, give me a project that we need to have done in three weeks. Are we making a new book? Uh, no. <laughs> somebody, uh, let's talk about Zenyatta. Okay. Blizzard called you up, right? Said, please design Zenyatta for however many days of Overwatch, that promotion they did. Yeah. Right? How much time, lead time did they give you, and what was that process like? Uh, that, was, that was pretty, like, a tight deadline. I think, I want to say, like, 20 days total kind of thing. Um, so my immediate thoughts go to, I need to get into comfy sweatpants and a hoodie, buy some snacks, and spend a late night at the studio. So you cl- crawl into the cave. That's yeah, sort of- I, I'm going into hibernation mode. I'm, I'm saying goodbye to my girlfriend for the next 48 hours. And I'm going to uh, probably watch old horror movies and 
paint until things start to click. Okay, so your family dynamic understands, like the person that you, uh, you know, share your life with understands this need? It actually, it works out really well because she's in law school right now. And at the moment she's studying for an exam. So she is doing the exact same thing to me that I do to her. Like, I love you, but I, we will not see each other for a while. Like, wait for me on the other side. Okay, so the family <laughs> issue, when it comes to deadlines, doesn't bother you so much now because you have a nice, We have a good back and forth. She has to do the same thing, so I, I more than understand. It kind of works out because I usually have more on my plate than I can ever get done. So the fact that she's busy just means, okay, well, I can get busy too. All right, so you're comfy. You've planned to hibernate. Yes. The client has given you, say, the mood board or the idea... Like in this particular instance, were you given stuff from the client or were you supposed to? Um, I was given the same concept art for the character that was available on the internet. It was just a, a character sheet and a screenshot or two that you could find anywhere. Um, they asked for a rough or a thumbnail. I find with a lot of... I didn't know what this client was like, but I find with a lot of clients, you, you supply them with a rough or a thumbnail and they can't separate that from a final. They think... They start to critique that thumbnail or critique that that really rough drawing. So I just kind of started into the painting and I got the painting to like a 25, 50% finish mark. So it already looked like you could see exactly where it was going. Right. But you and did thumbnails. Sorry? You had done thumbnails for yourself. You had done I'd, layouts for I'd yourself. I kind of just, yeah, I had little thumbnails for myself, but I wasn't going to hand those over. I was going to kind of start to develop my idea and either have to go back to the drawing board or they were going to say yes. And they said, um, the Zenyatta piece, he's, uh, it's just his torso. After his torso, he's kind of torn in half. And his like, spine and like, robotic entrails are kind of going off. So they needed me to explain why their character was torn in half <laughs> and the rationale behind that. Um, so the original, uh, um, the original parameters of the drawing was we just need from the waist up of the character. We don't want full full body character we just want their waist up right so i thought let's tear him in half is kind of a composition and he's yeah. he's a healer right he's right. always kind of in the thick of things making sure everybody else stays alive um so i thought it'd be kind of cool that he's just incredibly battle damaged and right. he's doing his like he's in the middle of healing he's in the middle of fixing yeah, and himself and everybody else around him it works exceptionally well in your composition because he looks very calm he's just zenning out floating with his and that's his deal he's like yeah. a zen buddha-esque robot he's just like he's one with the universe kind of thing right. so um so blizzard was cool with that they were like yes torn in half that works um and at that point because i was halfway done like it was minimal work to get it to the final version after that so you accidentally got it in ahead of deadline Yes, and I think that's kind of usually I've learned over my freelance career um, to just kind of trust myself rather than try to get them to lead me along the way, like hold my hand and tell me what you want. I'm just going to do what I think is coolest and take it or leave it. And 99% of the time, they're like, yes, let's do that. Right. And if they ask you to change it, you have enough of the assets built and are familiar enough with the color palette now and the character that I can't think off changes. the top of my head. I can't think of a where that's happened. Oh. So usually I go I go much further along than they want me to, um, and then yeah, they they're usually cool with that. With um with Marvel too, without giving anything away, they only wanted one piece out of me. Right. And I developed four up to a to a point. Same deal. Like I I kind of did 
the paintings halfway done. And they picked two of them to develop further rather than just the one. So the project grew because they really, really liked what I'd done so far. Right. So if we come back to this notion of the relationship with the deadline, if you feel, if you're inspired, it sounded like in both of those cases you had a good idea. Yeah. And so you ran with it. What happens when you're halfway through and you say, no, this isn't good? Well, if it's for myself, if, if it's for something like a book project, I can always, like if I'm really struggling with a page, I can jump somewhere else in the project, right? I can jump to, um, let's work on the cover for a bit. Let's work on the back matter. Let's like, I can leave that alone. And then usually what happens is the last minute panic sets in and I can't second guess how it's going to look. Right, the panic it just monster, has to yeah. get done. Attention, citizens. Well, for you too, I'm sure every once in a while there's there's a book project or a project and you just, you can't picture it in your head you don't have it figured out how do you overcome that that hurdle yeah what you guys can't hear is how i'm nodding assertively <laughs> to his question uh what i my relationship with the deadline is a little bit different than yours in that um, i have so many different things happening at the same time like different projects i'm working on a theater project a video game project a graphic novel and a no novel novel all at the same time right never now. get bored right never get bored <laughs> but um what the deadline does is it takes away my natural inclination as a creative person to do it over. It just removes the capacity. You don't have time to do to redo it and redo it and redo. Yeah, it's and so even if there isn't a deadline, like I'm working on a project right now that is my own. So I set a deadline. Shows yep. are the greatest for deadline. And when I tell people I'm going to have it at Calgary Comic Con. Uh, or I'm going to have it at the Winnipeg show. Now I know there are people who are expecting it. It says, you know, not just I, you. Yeah, there's there's a right. crowd of of fans waiting for it. Well, and it's funny. Like I can I hold. There's a few different people at different shows that I'm as upset, disappointing as say an art director <laughs> for a publisher that I'm working with. Like they are so invested in what I'm doing and have been with me for so much of the journey that I, you know. It's like letting down a teammate sometimes. Yeah. Um, not that it changes what I would make, but simply that I've promised that I'll be finished. And a big, pro big process for me was a number of years ago, um, I uh, hosted a writer's group for a few years in my house. Every Wednesday, people would come over. And the fact that we knew writers were coming every Wednesday to share work meant you got a lot done. We actually, we had a similar thing every Tuesday. We had a, uh, it was a Winnipeg Art Nights when we would, um, a gallery would let us come in after hours every Tuesday from 7.30 till like 11 at night. There was about five regulars up to 10 people at once. Uh, we would just sit around and draw. And so it was almost like you wanted to have projects ready or something finished to kind of show the group and get like the group's reaction like every Tuesday. It was that event to kind of, Right. To prompt you. Other people not to let down. So um, if you, when you were, so I'm now, I'm just, it just occurs to me that both of us probably have advice for our younger selves. What would you tell your, you started by talking about your high school self mm -hmm. and how you weren't invested and you weren't interested and you just didn't sort of care about the deadline. Do you think that was, the question is, what would you tell your younger self? Okay, I'm going to. Uh, I was, uh, this made me think of something, and I'm going to tie this into okay. your question. So, Come with I us, as, dear listeners, yeah, on a learning journey. Um, 
something I, I remember, this, this made me think of back when I worked as a graph designer or back when I worked as a concept artist at a video game company, this would happen often enough that you got put on a project that wasn't, wasn't the funnest project, right? But that's all you had to do. You had this one brochure or newsletter and that was, that was it in your day. You couldn't jump onto anything else. You couldn't like, so if you were struggling with it, you just had to simmer in that struggle and just force your way through it. And I think that resulted in a lot of like weaker work. I wish I could have gone back to, you know, 20 year old me at that design firm and sat down with like the art directors and explained how much better everything would, would turn out if we could kind of like jump a little bit between projects just to, right. and I know like with clients and timelines, that's not always possible, but just thinking back, like I think that's such a strength now that we don't have to work on something when we're sick of it as much. Right. We can jump onto something else and when we come back, that thing that we were sick of, we're no longer sick of and it turns out 10 times better than yeah. if we just sat oh, wow, and struggled neat. through it. That's so true. I d yeah, I'm having an epiphany about my own work because <laughs> I realized when I'm doing, um, you know, I'm, if I'm doing work for a publisher and I have, say, 40 pages that I have to hand in and I get to the 20-page mark and I don't, I'm not feeling it for a couple of days, I don't stress about it. I just take a couple of days off mm -hmm. and work on my own stuff until it comes back. Yeah. But I think that's it, right? The momentum. You don't step off the train, yeah. right? You just switch seats for a little while. Yeah, exactly. And then you're still moving forward. I, uh, interesting. Yeah, I was absolutely, well, if we jump back to the high school me, I was absolutely uh, trained by successful last-minute deadline m miracles to realize that school wasn't that hard, right? You might get a bad mark, but it's always your fault, right? Like if you had prepared more, you would have done well. But every now and then, you could prepare just enough to succeed and you'd still get the credit. And I remember in grade 11 realizing that there was a threshold of the amount of work I could do to maintain what you know the school considered a B plus average mm -hmm. without any stress or frankly that much effort. Um, it made me quite disenfranchised about my education. <laughs> uh, so I didn't spend a lot of time at school in grade 12, but I still ended up with quite good marks because I realized where you could put that time in. And so, uh, I think what I would tell my younger self, though, is do some things creatively that you were interested in in that missing time. You know, I did what teenagers do. You go off and get into trouble. But I wish I had instead been working on my craft. You probably had back then, too. Like, it's nice to say that, but you didn't have now. You have so many destinations for that creative outlet. Oh, like, yeah. whatever you're working on, you know it's going to end up on a bookshelf or, like, on a gallery wall or, like, there's there's a reward at the end of it. Whereas back, it's just like it's, you're doing it for yourself. Um, I'm not sure where I'm going with no, this. No, I think I hear you, right? Like you, there is a, there's a comfort in knowing that you're not just a crazy person rambling, right? Like I want to tell this story about a gnome and a troll in the snowstorm. And an adult looks at you and says, why? Like for what? Whereas, you know, that's what we spent the last two weeks doing is working on our stories that we just wanted to tell and, now we have a book that we're launching this week. So, yeah, there's a, some comfort in that. But, you I mean, you never know. I have, mm -hmm. like, you know, we can see from here in the studio, a stack of pages for projects that I don't know where they'll go. Yeah. But it doesn't, I no longer consider whether I should 
stop making them. I just make them. Mm -hmm. Just so I can keep the momentum going. Super Pope! The first couple of years as a designer, in graph design, um, I would ask a lot about the illustration aspect or of the industry. Like, I want to be an illustrator, is being an illustrator thing? And unfortunately, back then, the people I talked to in, in graph design, mostly the answer was no. You can't... Illustration is not a career path. Oh, yeah, I was told the same thing. Yeah, yeah um, which was... I don't think it's the case anymore in graph design. Back then, it just, I, I don't think it was, like, out of... They just... Nobody knew. Nobody it's not knew, out of like, maliciousness. No, no, in no. In fact, they, everything that I told my grade 6 teacher that I'm going to do as a job, I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. But between then and now, they had to invent the internet. Mm -hmm. They had to invent the computers I'm using, and they had to invent the digital printing processes that we rely on every day. So nobody was giving me bad advice then when they were like, well, no, you can't do those things. It just literally had not been invented yet. Yeah. So I always, way. you know, I was very careful to caution my fellow teachers when they would tell students, no, you can't <laughs> do that. You, you can't know. be on YouTube full time. That's not a job. Right, because right. yeah. it's a job now it's to a be job on now. YouTube full time. And so we just have to remember that some of the stuff that we want to do hasn't been invented yet. It was almost we like we were, we were practicing for our eventual career. Like it wasn't there yet. And we were, we were practicing almost like um, we're so much more ahead. Now that it's a thing, so many people are trying to jump on it. But we have, you know, 15 years of, of experience under our belt. And now we get to utilize that. You know, like we, yeah, we were had practicing. To, okay, so for, let me ask you, because yeah. you, you know, you grew up in a small town. And uh, I grew up uh, here in Winnipeg, but I lived just outside of the city. And those 15 years, you know, for you and a few more for me, those so were also great. a bitterness. There's a little bit of bitterness in there of all the people who told you or asked you, why are you bothering? Right? Like, I think that there's a good number of people who stop because they weren't, they simply weren't as stubborn as us. Right? Yeah. Like, you have to have a certain amount of don't give a Super. shit built right into your DNA, do you think? Or can you learn that? I wasn't really good at anything else. Yes. <laughs> like, right? academically-wise, I was not, like, excelling anywhere enough that, like, you should be, you know, I'm not even sure what other career choice. But, like, it was, like, this is what I was good at and always wanted to be doing. So it was almost like, what's option B? I'm not, I'm not that great at sports. I can't. But the world is full of people who settled. Why yeah. did you settle? I don't know. Uh, this, uh, I think I'm so glad in grade 11, I was able to come in as a work shadow um, for my cousin who was in third year graph design. And that was as close to the world that I wanted to be in that I could get. And that kind of like galvanized like, okay, well, I'm going to keep drawing and that's where I'm going. Oh, it's man, not quite so right, but that's where I'm going. So... In uh, education, there's this sort of buzz phrase right now that you can't be what you can't see. And some people are kind of annoyed by that. But I think you're, that's the proof, right? You, all you needed was one example, a direction to set the compass to. I also want to do a shout out. Like, um, so I went and shadowed her in third year. And it was, it was very, very inspiring to see. And then she was in her work experience at Guppy Design here in the city, wow. which is the, one of the coolest design firms we have around. So I went in there. And they have, they had like an Akira statuette on the shelf. <laughs> Their um, coffee table was a surfboard turned upside down. They were playing music while they were working. And it was just like, this, this is where I want to be. This is like right out of the movies. 
I want to be here. And so that, you know, I went back to school saying like, yeah, I'm going to draw and this, I'm going to be a designer. Like I've got it all figured out. Like, yeah, I felt so, just as confident as the people who were going to be lawyers and doctors and teachers. Like I had my answer now. Right. I wasn't. Dr- I wasn't going to be drawing for a living, but it was like as close and as cool as I could get. So if you had showed up, okay. So what year would that have been? Uh, two thousand three, four. Two thousand three and four. So if you had showed up in a typical uh, comic maker studio in two thousand three or four, I wonder if your if your uh, enthusiasm would have been shattered See, th- a little bit, like a tiny corner <laughs> full of inky pages and, you know, crushing deadlines and so much drama. Like the, you know, that time in comics was just so volatile. A bit of an upheaval, right? Yeah. I think I would have taken fine arts instead of graph design. Right. And I, cr- like, graph design, like knowing typography and knowing the programs and learning all that, I feel like I have such a leg up going into artwork from there than had I taken a fine arts program, which you get a lot out of, but I feel like learning that, that spectrum of the industry yeah, so gave me such a leg up. I consider this sometimes the difference between fine art and um, you know, graphic design, commercial art. I don't like the term commercial, no. but it's um, the work that you learn to do when you think about it as graphic design becomes more conversational in a sense like you figure out what a person needs in order to follow your story whereas I find much gallery work is um, almost more orchestral like you come in to this big space and you kind of it fills up the space and you're just an observer in that space you don't get to have a um, you're not complicit in it necessarily you just are there. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. And one of the things I really like about the stuff that we do is this democratization of our work. We take artwork, we take it to places where 30, 40, 50, 100,000 people go and we sell work to them for $20. And the average person can have artwork that we labored on here in the studio without having to spend thousands of dollars on it. For years to come, too. It's not right. just that one sale to that one person at that one point of time. Right. We're still able to share work that we did years ago, and it's still making people happy. Oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, if you yeah. think about, like, a fine art body of work, usually it's a show at a time, right? Yeah. And it builds up if you're lucky enough to have 10 shows over your, you know, like one a year for 10 years, your body of work, you d- usually don't bring it forward, mm-hmm. right? But we're able to bring it forward. That's interesting. And even now we're uh, we're finding we we have such a catalog. Um, you can only bring so much to a show. So we have our our current portfolio, and we almost have a. We're getting to the point where we need another space just to showcase the older portfolio. It's not that it's it's bad work. It's just it, we need to make room for all the new stuff. Science. I'm just looking at some work on our walls here and I'm seeing this like ship, which, you know, people have always really liked this flying ship piece that I've done. Um, But it's like ancient history almost to me. Is there a time when we should be setting it free? Like, could we take 20 or 30 of our pieces from the last five, six years and just release high res versions of them into the interwebs and I've just thought about that before. I think we're, that's us seeing the best in people. 
And what's really going to happen is all those terrible websites that just steal artwork and sell it, they're going to be the ones who take advantage of that. Okay, so let's just let's chase that worst-case scenario. If some shady, you know, fly-by-night print guy is also making money off of your work, but you're not, you don't need it anymore, why is it bad for someone else to make a living off something you don't need anymore? Like, could we move that public domain space, uh. not a hundred years after our death, <laughs> but five years Put after... Put it into public domain... Sooner. Sooner. Be, be alive to see what happens to our work in the public domain. Right? Like, how cool would it be for Conan Doyle or for Jules Verne or any of these people, right, for H.G. Wells, uh, for Mary Shelley, to see that work now i mean it's a different time it's like we have this kaleidoscope of time between us and then but the internet has compressed everything to the point where you can be making a living be producing new work and be releasing old work would it just help your brand would your brand be stronger if more of your work was being shared and used and sold at shows around you as the source because you're still alive to make new stuff yeah how do you how do you see it being used? Like say let's you release your ship. I have I also have a ship piece. We yeah, release right. those are you just saying print ready files or native files? Oh my gosh. Not native files. Not native files? Not native files, because that's how the sausage gets made. Okay. Right? Um but the print ready files, yeah. You know, three hundred DPI, twelve by eighteen, print ready see, files. In my in my mind I just see it popping up on Get this printed as a, a pillowcase or yeah. a, a phone case. Yeah, or, so what? And I mean, people are doing that anyways with your stuff. That's right. Yeah. It happens now. So what if instead... You just... you're Guys, I did this. It's free to grab. Right. I'm fully aware people are going to be stealing it, but they're stealing it anyways. So yeah. here's like... The and it wouldn't reserve. be stealing anymore. It'd be a gift. Yeah. Right? Because I've been thinking a lot about how to say thank you to people in a way that's tangible. And I don't know, aside from like every time someone comes to a show, I try to give them a hug, right? You could tell your fans, yeah, here's the file. If you guys have a printer, print it however you want. Yeah. You want a big size? Hang it on your wall. Are you going to try to tell people not to resell it? Or are you going to say like... No, I would tell them that it, it's in the public domain and make it open license. Okay. Right? Like you are free to use it as you please. Um, please credit, but no one ever does anyway. Mm-mm. So like being mad that no one gives you credit in a world that never gives credit is, you know, that's insanity. It's interesting. Has anybody done this yet that we know of? That I don't know. Mm, something to look into. Interesting. I think we should do it. That's wild. Okay, so we've gone from deadlines <laughs> to our ancient pasts, to how our ancient past influenced our present day, from how our present day could talk to our ancient past, and then we had a brief divergence into the notion of should work that you are no longer selling regularly but still has value just be given away past the sale date to the internet for free (laughs) all right i think uh this is a great place for us to stop this has been uh gregory kamichuk and justin curry and this is super pulp science join the fight make comics